chiropractic practice value. Today, we're going to talk about what makes your practice increase in value over time. Welcome to the KC Chiropults Podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Perush, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Troy Fox. Troy, today, we're going to dive into this whole idea of what are the things that actually make the value of your practice go up or down. And by the way, everybody, we're sponsored by the Barlow Brain and Body Institute. We'll give you some more information about them in a minute, but they're helping doctors learn functional neurology without all the complicated stuff. Value. I really want to dive into this topic on value because this, this is just such a great topic. I think it's a topic that all doctors think about because they think I've worked in this practice all these years. What kind of value do I have at some point when I decide to sell this practice? I decide to hand this off to the next generation or, you know, a, a new doctor coming out of school. And so I think we all think about that. So sure. you and I look, yeah. And you and I look at it from a very, uh, a very knowledge standpoint from the fact that we've seen this happen over and over again. And we understand that sometimes uh, there's emotional value to a practice that maybe not, maybe it's not worth as much as you think it is. And so we're going to talk a little bit about <laughs> some of those important things. And and this was predicated by a, a couple of questions that we've had even over the last few weeks. And we constantly get those but yeah. folks wanting to know what is what is this worth? What is that worth if I buy this practice or if I get ready to sell my practice? What is this or that worth? Yeah, really, what what constitutes value? And after mm -hmm. years and years of analyzing practices, there's one thing that we've noticed. There's this traditional bell curve in practice on what your practice is worth. And you know, think about it. You start a practice out, you're, you know, you're in maybe let, let's say your early 30s, you you go into practice and who are you attracting? Well, we tend to attract like-minded people, so we're probably mm -hmm. attracting people in our 20s, 30s and 40s for the most part. You're still going to get a few Medicare patients and those kind of things probably, but mm -hmm. there's this bell curve that happens so you start out going up the curve increasing your patience, you got great capacity, you're full of vim and vigor, you know, you're young, you're healthy. And then you reach this pinnacle where you start to want to slow down just a little bit, start having a family mm -hmm. of your own. You want to go to the soccer games, you want to do those kind of things. And your practice peaks. Well, all this time, you're also getting older. So who do we attract? Like-minded people. So now we're attracting patients in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And we start to slow down and we hit the backside of the curve and the value of our practice goes down. Mm -hmm. So there is typically a tipping point. Now, there are things that you can do to push that tipping point way far into the future and not let it collapse on you like the traditional curve. Mm -hmm. But one thing that we hear a lot, Troy, is you know, I've had this practice for 30 or 40 years and I've got I've got all these resources. I've got this back room full of equipment. What's it worth? Well, does it work? You mm -hmm. know, it's only worth something if it works. Why is it in the back room? Are you not using it because it broke? Um, or we'll hear, I've got this whole huge file room and it's just chock full of x-rays and, and old files and, and so forth. That's got to bring some value. No, it brings some tonnage to the practice, mm -hmm. but it really doesn't bring value. So we have to start thinking a little bit more like a true entrepreneur when we're talking about value. And so what are the confines and structures of value? 
Well, they're the things that literally are driving the clinic, the revenue side, the risk reward side of the practice, which is probably a concept a lot of people haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that build your value. You know, you you for example, Troy, you have a cash practice. Yes, yes, and and I look specifically for a cash practice because I already knew what would hold value long term, and I also knew from a standpoint of buying a practice when I looked at the value of the practice as well. We all worry about how much is the practice going to drop off when a new doctor comes into it. Right. And cash practices don't seem to do that. And quite frankly, ours grew the minute the minute that we walked in the door. Now, the fact that we retained the doctor that owned the practice um, as well doesn't hurt that process any at all. I mean, we were right. in a very unique situation. But and you guys were like-minded. Mm-hmm. You, you so had that was, similar yeah. philosophies about practice, which helped too. Something you and I talked about off camera, and that's a that's a thing that that I always tell docs when you are on the when you're on the exit strategy plan and you're looking for uh, a doctor to take your place, and you're looking for a seamless integration that creates a situation where you can make some money by selling your practice. And they can still have a fantastic practice without worrying that the practice is just going to implode on them as soon as they take over. That's by finding somebody that has very, very similar interests to you. And you have to sit down and really hash those out and be very honest with each other before you start practice. And in my case, that's exactly what happened. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you uh your your practice is a great example of a practice that over time is going to maintain its value very well. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to talk about this concept that I just brought up a second ago about risk versus reward. Mm-hmm. So back in my investment banking days, we talked about risk versus reward a lot when we'd analyze a uh, a, a business. And so in chiropractic, the risks are are you a practice that's highly likely to get audited? Well, who gets audited? Insurance-based practices. Mm-hmm. Are you a practice that's likely to be affected by a downturn in reimbursement? For example, a high Medicare practice might be uh, might fall into that. Are you mm-hmm. a practice that has um, has to carry the accounts receivable for long periods of time, like a PI-based practice? Those are high-risk practices. Mm-hmm. Practices that have a lot of employees high risk practice because you're at risk of having typically more turnover and and more HR issues and those kind of things. Low risk mm-hmm. would be a practice Troy like yours that is all cash, high retention. So mm-hmm. when you value and this is one of the things that we do, not only do we help doctors create exit strategies, but we help value practices as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things we look at, everybody in the profession gets hung up on new patients. Mhm. When I value a practice, we don't, we don't care about new patients as much as we care about retention. Retention of patients. And the interesting thing about a cash practice, and I, I know we harp on this a lot. People are like, oh my gosh, so I always talk about Here cash practices. <laughs> but truth of the matter is this. There are two things that we see. One, retention is really good in cash practices. Very. They've got a little bit of skin in the game. Um, they're they're not really relying on their insurance to pay it. And then when insurance doesn't pay anymore, they go, I'm done. You can actually educate a patient 
as to what chiropractic is and why they should continue care and what wellness care is. And that's important. Here's the other thing that I see. We see a, we talked about it initially, the bell curve of practice and the older you get, you tend to, you tend to draw that age of patients in. I don't see that in a cash practice. In a no, cash practice, we draw people of all ages from, from pregnant mothers, infants, you know, all, through all stages of life. And in a normal day, I'm going to see, I'm going to see folks from, uh, like I said, from pregnant mothers to young children, all the way up to, you know, somebody that's, that's elderly all in one day. Right. And it's, that's a normal day. It's I I don't really see my practice aging with me, and it that's didn't. And, and the other the other that's because of your retention. Yeah, and the other doctor's not that much younger than me. She's a little bit younger, but she had the same situation, and so we see that more in cash practices where it's more diverse. Right. Yeah. Because people are looking for a reasonable price option. They don't care how old you are. And you have low risk on reimbursement being affected. Mm-hmm. You know, the cash side of your practice, you have total control over really over your income. On the insurance side of a practice, you don't. And yeah. that's one of those things that <clears throat> when that uh, risk is really high, it really ticks down your value a lot too. So, and that's uh, that's a whole nother podcast because we get we also get questions all the time. Well, I can't lower my my cost that that's too cheap for an adjustment. Well, if you're running a cash practice with low overhead, here's what we look at. We look at that gap between right. what it costs to what it costs to practice and and what you're generating, what is that gap? Right. And you have that gap with an insurance practice, but it takes a lot more to get there. So those are some of the things that we look at as well. We also look at that gap. Are you what's your profitability when you're getting ready to sell this practice? Are you are you barely skimming by, or are you are you running a very efficient practice? That's right, and that's a huge one. <clears throat> you know, not too long ago, we had a call from somebody who was wondering about the value of their practice and. Um, one of the comments was, well, I see 80 new patients a month. That's got to really just drive the value of my practice up. You know, here's the funny thing about that. If your retention's not good, your new patient numbers don't matter Mm -hmm. because a new doctor coming in, buying a practice and coming in, because remember the only way to get the value out of your practice really is to sell it. Mm -hmm. So a new doctor coming in, who's going to buy the practice, can they maintain that 80 new patient level? Probably not very easily, especially if they're a young doctor coming out of school, they just mm-hmm. don't have the same capacity. Right. And so you got to think about that. A, a new doctor buying a practice who comes into a high retention practice where the patients aren't going to leave um, is, is a much more successful place to start if you're going to buy a mm-hmm. practice. So you have to you have to look at both sides of the street there. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and really, when we look at that as well, yes, there could be some upside potential if you've got that many new patients flowing into your practice. I, I get where you're coming from, but you've got to be able to retain those, like you said. And so there is some upside to that when we look at that, but mm-hmm. there's also the downside if we look at it and we see that most of them are pouring out the back door within the first few visits, which means a lot of work for you with with without very much return on that investment. Right. That's exactly and that's, right. That's what that's what makes it really tough to create greater value with a high new patient flow 
because that means your your practice should be growing exponentially if you're seeing 80 new patients a month. Right. Um, you should be a, a you should be basically a waiting list practice within just a very short period of time if that's the case, and you're moving patients into a retention model where those patients are getting wellness care. Right, and the scalability has to be taken into consideration as well because it can yeah, be that, tough seeing that many. At, and that's at that point you got to push back a little bit. Right. And that's what we've had to do in in our cash practice, which is interesting, is we when we initially added a second doctor to reduce that wait time because the the doctor that was in there was very smart about not overloading herself and not saying, well, I'll just see more and more new patients. She said, no, I can't see you for four or five days or maybe even a week. And then it got out to be two weeks. And then so. When I came into the practice initially, we had a void that we were able to fill. Funny thing is, we're right back there again. Sure. And and that happens as a result of knowing what your boundaries are as well. I don't think that there's any benefit to seeing as many patients a day as you can possibly see while running around like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I think that there's great benefit, especially in a cash practice, by determining what is my limit? You stick to that limit and you don't worry about the fact that you have to tell a patient, you know, it may be a couple of days. So those are those are the kind of practices that gain value very quickly. Very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the whole cash practice, the benefits of cash practice are a great topic for another podcast coming up. But uh, if, if you yeah. really want to build the value of your practice, you've got to build some of these things that we talked about today into mm-hmm. your business model. Speaking of a great business model, I want to thank Dr. Andrew Barlow from the Barlow Brain and Body Institute for sponsoring our podcast. If you have been thinking about adding brain-based therapies to your practice, go check out barlowbrainandbody.com. They're doing some great things. Um, it's it's brain-based therapies, but they teach you functional neurology without all the crazy difficult stuff to learn and remember. So again, mm-hmm. check out barlowbrainandbody.com. We want to thank them for being our sponsor. So Think about your practice and how you're building value, not just your monthly revenue. Think about how you're building profitability and value in your practice. And if you don't have one, get a coach that can help you understand how to make that happen. And you know, with that in mind, these are the kind of things that we do at Cats Consultants. So go check us out, catsconsultants.com. And if you want to submit a topic for an po- upcoming podcast, be sure to shoot Troy an email at Troy at catsconsultants.com. We'd be happy mm-hmm. to get your idea on the air. So go check us out. Check out our Path to Profit and our Path to Prosper programs. And uh, if you want to schedule a breakthrough call with us, we'd love to talk to you. Troy, anything else to add? I think that's it. I, I think this is an exciting topic for most chiropractors and sometimes a little bit daunting. So if you need a little help, holler at us. I mean, Absolutely. This is what we do. So other than that, good luck on on raising the ceiling on your practice, because I think it's a very important thing to do as, as, as not only as we near retirement age, but all throughout our practice, that should be our goal is to create a, a longevity model that's going to work well for the next individual that comes in and takes this yep, over and, and gives loving care to your patients. Absolutely. Well said. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the KC Chiropults podcast brought to you by Cats Consultants. From Dr. Troy and I, we'll see you next time.